0: other most parts of the world I'm glad that Bobby Lynch is with us on Pentecost Sunday because there's the promise of Pentecost the promise of the baptism of the Holy Ghost but then there's also the purpose of that baptism that we would be evangelists here in Gallup Police here in Gallia County here in the United States and around the world including South America so, I just thank God for him being here today. I had a great opportunity to meet him several years ago in South America. We had some great experiences together on the mission field and a tour and showing what God is doing, the Church of God's doing in South America. The Church of God has reached over 170 nations around the world. The Church of God, in the early stages of our development as a church, the Church of God, uh, started world missions. The first missionary at the turn of the century, 1900s, went to the Bahamas. And we've been a world missions movement ever since. Why? Because Jesus called us to reach the lost. I know there's lost around us. I know evangelism is at home. That's why Jesus mentioned to his disciples that we begin in Jerusalem, that they begin in Jerusalem, then the county area region, 50 miles of Judea, then into the entire nation of Israel, and then the uttermost parts of the world. But I tell you what, we are a blessed people. And I found out many times that when we involve ourselves with the total commission, the world commission God's given us, then God will bless us in our own home and our own lives and this church. Bobby Lynch is a tremendous man of God. I wanted to make sure I introduced him. He is the uh, he's a professor and program director at the Simon Bible Seminary in Quito, Ecuador. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't flaunt his doctorate, but he has, he has a doctorate. He's a great man of God. And what I love about Bobby Lynch is that uh, he's just a boy from Alabama. The group in a smaller town than here in Gallup Police. he told me about it last night. And he says he's always been around the river. And he told me many stories about how God has worked in his life. And I've seen in South America for myself what God's doing. Not only is he a professor there at Semisud uh, Seminary, Bible Seminary there but he's also he's involved with m25 which is a children's ministry in the whole city of, of quito to reach children my friends um quito ecuador is different from here in america and i've been there and there's much need there's much need and they they're you know their their economic status is nothing like ours and so we want to win the lost. And what's so exciting, he'll be sharing some of the ministries he's offering. I love the one he talked about, the purification of water. We gave recently on that. It is becoming an open door. I'll let him talk about an open door of dynamic ministry, getting into homes and people, and then and how God is using that in such a tremendous way. So without any further ado, I want you to give Bobby Lynch. He flew in. Friday night, he went red-eye flight from Quito just to be with us. He said, you know, Bobby Lynch could have went to any church in Ohio and then go to camp meeting, but he told me he wanted to come to Rodney Pike Church of God. So I'm so glad that you come. I'm so glad for your sacrifice. And you're a man, a servant of God. You know why I say that? You'll get up and pick up a piece of paper for the bass player. I want you to know I see little things like that. Servant's hearts. He has a servant's heart. I believe and I'm so excited because he's going to be the face of our missions here at Rodney Pike Church of God. So will you please give Bobby Lynch a Rodney Pike Church of God welcome? Hallelujah!
1: Wow. What an honor and a privilege it is to be at Rodney Pike Church of God and to be with you guys. I did not know that you guys had a river running right through your town your pastor yesterday showed that to me and i was sharing with with pastor last night that i'm just a simple country boy from a little small dot of nowhere in alabama i grew up on a creek bank the whole northern half of my county uh, there was only 800 of us in the school from kindergarten through 12th grade and so i literally grew up barefoot fishing with a cane pole like Huckleberry Finn before school, get on the bus, my dog would wait for me until I got off the school bus, pick up that cane pole and go back fishing. So when we saw that river last night in your beautiful town, I was like, I almost feel like I'm called to... But my name is Bobby Lynch, and what a joy and honor it is to be with you today. My wife and I have served in Quito, Ecuador now for 15 years. We've been ministering there uh, at the seminary where I teach uh, missions and Bible and theology. And it's really crazy to think about a kid who grew up in what I just described to you, and God dramatically called me into missions after working in machine shops for about 15 years And God called me into the mission field and called me to Latin America, and I could not say any words except for taco, (laughs) burrito, (laughs) quesadilla on a good day, (laughs) margarita on Friday nights. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's just be honest. So, I mean, you know, it was it was kind of crazy for God to call me into the ministry. And so, um, you know, if if it's all right, I would like to teach you a little bit of Spanish today as we get started. You're kind of thinking, now, this is kind of weird for, for, you know, a guy from Alabama to come up to Ohio and to teach a little bit of Spanish. But I would like to teach you a little bit of Spanish today. There's an expression that typically we start our church services in ecuador and throughout latin america we'll begin our church service by saying who lives which is quien vive? who lives and the congregation will respond christ christ lives and the way that we say christ and that you're going to respond because i'm going to say who lives in spanish if we can show that slide who lives in spanish it says you were going to respond with Cristo. So let's try everybody to say Cristo on the count of three. One, two, three. Cristo. Cristo. That's right. It's not Crisco, <laughs> it's Cristo. So I'm going to say Kiembebe, and you will respond, Cristo. And we're going to do this three times, and at the end, we will shout and we will celebrate and give a, a war hoop of praise to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Are you ready? Kiembebe. Kiembebe. He and Bibi. hallelujah, he is alive, praise the Lord, he is alive, and today we are celebrating and we were shouting that, and I've had the privilege to be in Latin America, and also when your pastor first came and visited with me, I was directing church planting for Latin America at that time, and so we were able to join together with our brothers and sisters who have planted churches. To this date, Pastor, I don't even know if you know this, but you were part of that initiative to start that initiative. We had a dream, a crazy dream that, my gosh, how are we going to double the amount of churches that we have in Latin America within our denomination? And at that time, we had about 8,000 churches. And to date, we have now doubled that. We have planted 8,000 churches throughout Latin America. During the past 10 years. Praise the Lord for that. Christ lives. He is alive. And so today we are celebrating and we are shouting that Christ lives with our brothers and sisters such as Louisa here. Louisa was sold into prostitution by her parents when she was 12 years old. Heartbreaking story that she shared with me about the pain and the brokenness that she endured as living that life in prostitution. But one day while she was working on a corner, there was a Pentecostal preacher on the other corner who began to preach about the saving, delivering power of Jesus Christ and how he could take all those things that were broken, renew them, restore them, and make them whole. And Louisa found Jesus that day. And he healed her of her woundedness, healed her of her brokenness, and called her into ministry, and she planted a church praise the lord for that we're celebrating with byron today byron an ecuadorian they're from my neck of the woods byron well i'm just going to be blunt with you i'm from alabama byron was a wife beater a kid abuser alcoholic in alabama we just call him a sorry sack of (laughs) doo-doo i don't know if i can say that here but let's just call it like it is But Byron in the gutter one day, a Pentecostal preacher came along and started saying, Byron, there's something better for you. There's something better for you, and it's Jesus. And Jesus will meet you at your point, at your lowest point, and he will help you to clean up, get up, and move on. And he did just that. And he restored Byron's marriage, restored his relationship with his kids, he became a faithful member in the church, and then God called him to plant a church. And now Byron is pastoring a church, and today we shout, who lives? Jesus lives. Christ lives in Byron. And today we shout that. Today we shout, together Christ lives with Luis. Luis was a pagan priest. What? I saw your mouth open. What? A pagan priest. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was a devil worshiper evil man everybody knew him a shaman in the community where he was but one day he started feeling really bad physically went to the doctor they did tests on him in the city and they said Luis I'm just so sorry your body is actually eat up with cancer and there's maybe a month maybe two months that you're going to live so you need to get your house in order he said well all right this is it but Luis's nephew who was a born-again christian heard about what was his uncle was going through and god told him go and pray for your uncle and he said god <laughs> you know you know my uncle ain't gonna have none of that anybody got any family of kinfolk like that And so, Luis, when the nephew came up, the nephew said, God sent me over here and said, I'm supposed to pray for you. And Luis said, I don't want you to pray for me. I don't believe in your God, and I'm not going to let you pray for me. You go on. And he sent him away. And so the nephew just went on his way but continued to pray for him. Luis said that night that while he was sleeping that he, he was, had this vivid, vivid dream. It was like God was standing there in front of his face, and he said, Luis, I'm going to heal you of your cancer, and you are going to fall down on your knees and worship me and follow me the rest of your days, and he said, I woke up, and it was just like God was right there in the room with me, and he said, I thought I was going crazy, thought I had lost my mind, but he said, I went ahead and I got up the next morning, I went about my business, and so I was, went back to the doctor a week later, and I was suppo- but I was feeling better the next morning. He said, I went back to the, the doctor the next week because there was a possible radical treatment that they were going to try on me. And so I was supposed to go back in a week to do some tests that was only supposed to prolong my life maybe two months, maximum three months. He said, I went back to the doctor, and so they began to run the test on me. He said, the doctor came back in there, and he said, we need to run some more tests. They ran more tests, they pulled more blood, they began to do x-rays, and they began to do all type of other studies. And after a full day of studies, the doctor came in, and he said, Luis, I don't know what happened. But we have done every test, and there's not a cell of cancer in your body anywhere. Something happened between last week and this week, and you are healed. Louise said, I fell on my knees in that doctor's office, and I said, God Almighty has reached down and healed me, and I today dedicate my life to Him, and I will praise Him, and I will serve Him all the days of my life. And that is who God called into the ministry, and now Louise has planted a church, and who knows the hundreds, thousands that have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, because God reached down and touched that that we would say is evil. They can't be touched. They should never ever know. Don't call that one into the ministry. But God said, Luis is my chosen one. The one in whom I died for. The one that I gave my son for. His blood has purchased him and his freedom. And he is my chosen anointed servant to preach my gospel. Well, maybe you can tell I'm a little excited today. (laughs) I get a little wound up. Thank you so much for letting me come and share the beautiful testimonies of Christ is alive. And his life begets life, begets life, gives life and more life. And it is powerful and it is transformative and it is doing miraculous things around the world. And I get excited celebrating along with our 8,000 church planters and our, all of our other students that I have the privilege of ministering to and teaching in our Bible school and ministering at, the, uh, at, our, at our ministry center. And so I get a little excited. We've been bottled up in Ecuador <laughs> for, for about two years. COVID hit us uh, like a tidal wave, unfortunately, and the healthcare uh, system is not uh, like it is up here in the States, so we just didn't have the resources. And so we were on government lockdown until just a few weeks ago. Uh, when I say lockdown um, for the first Almost the first year we were allowed to leave our homes except for one day a week for a couple of days or for a couple of hours to do our essential shopping per week, one family member. um, You know, you think the government might be meddling in your business around here. (laughs) Um, If if I got out to drive uh, up until just a couple of weeks ago, I had to wear a mask. It was a mandate if I was caught without wearing a mask while driving, Um, then it was a month's salary. Uh, which in Ecuador, a full month's salary uh, for a person that's typically working about 60 hours a week is $450, so that would be the fine. Uh, So I'm a little, I'm happy to be here and to be able to share. I feel loose, I feel like I'm at home, so I'm just gonna roll with it today, folks. But today I wanna share with you briefly about a beautiful story that we uh, hear in the Gospel of Mark, the second book in the New Testament there, a story uh, about uh, Jesus that is just transformative and life-giving. Uh, this this uh, passage of Scripture, this story uh, that, that is shared with us, is about the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. And so today, I'd like to share with you a little bit about Ripping Through Roofs for Jesus. Uh, In the second chapter of Mark, we have this radical story. That's what I love about Mark. It's an amazing book. It's so short. If you don't know, you can read the entire book of Mark in about 30 minutes. Uh, So I suggest that each of you go home or this week sometime, find about 30 minutes. How many of you dabble on Facebook for 30 minutes at a time? (laughs) Yeah, what about that? I mean, oh my goodness, um, my kid, I have an 11 year old, introduced me to TikTok even uh, down there in Ecuador. And I downloaded that thing and I was swiping, and 45 minutes was gone within, right? I mean, it's crazy, right? So, anyway, in, instead of reading, uh, you know, looking at everybody else's fake lives on Facebook next week, take about 30 minutes one time and read the book of Mark. Uh, and and you will be so inspired and so, um, yeah, just energized this next week. But in the first chapter of Mark, I'm going to give you a little backstory. We are introduced to Jesus and Jesus just burst onto the scene in the book of Mark. I mean, he's just right there in your face and he gets baptized by his cousin and, and God speaks to, breaks through heaven, speaks down upon Jesus that, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately after that, it says immediately, Jesus was thrust into the wilderness. And in the wilderness there, he is um, tempted by Satan. He's surrounded by wild animals. He's got angels that are taking care of him. I mean, it's just a radical story there of of this time of intense um, time with God and intense struggle. And Jesus comes out of this experience with guns a blazing is what I say. I mean, he just comes out on fire. He comes out like I was just a minute ago. He's just ripping and raring to go. And so empowered by the spirit and in the, through this experience, Jesus begins preaching the good news. And that's what it says. It says he begins to share. He begins to preach. He begins to talk, evangelize and share the good news. And so he, begins to call his disciples and once he was started to cast out demons and he's healing the sick i mean it's just it's a it's just all in your face raw what jesus is doing during this time and so even one of jesus's friends it says peter one of the disciples his mother-in-law they went to his house to her house and she was sick and Jesus healed a mother-in-law and you know that it's a radical touch with God when he when mother-in-laws start getting healed right I mean it's just amazing what's all going on here and then we come to mark chapter two and let's let's listen to this story of because it says Jesus was going home, he was going to the house. the implication is that he was either going back to uh, it was more than likely he was going back to his house to his mother's house and i'm going to go to my mom's house on wednesday and i'm already thinking i haven't been to my mom's house in quite a while and so i'm already thinking wonder what about she's going to cook me <laughs> you know when you go when you go to mama's home right when you go home to mama she she's not going to cook you something you don't like yeah, right. and i ain't going to have to lift a finger mama's going to take care of me and so we got this picture of jesus going home and so let's listen to this story of jesus going home in mark chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 and again he entered capernaum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house immediately Many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then he came to him, and they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was so when they had broken through they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven you i love the version of the message bible and it's translated impressed by their bold belief jesus said to the paralytic son i forgive your sins impressed impressed jesus And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your son, your sins are forgiven you or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This story is so rich, and there is so much that we could um, talk about and study about and learn about this today. And your pastor, I, I believe you said you're celebrating 23 years here at, the, at Rodney Pike. There's no telling how many times you've actually preached on this passage of Scripture because it is so rich and so full of, of details in life. But today, I want us to think about and consider these four men who carried the paralytic into the presence of Jesus. Now, we don't know much about these four men. It doesn't give us very many details about these men, but there are some characteristics about these men that we could infer, that the scripture and the story is inferring, is sharing with us. And so first of all, the first thing that we can think about is that, well, they were physically able to carry this lame person they were actually able to pick up this mat. And so if we think about this, I mean, obviously this is a scriptural biblical truth for us to take care of the temple of the holy spirit and to take care of ourselves and to be wise about the decisions we make some of us may need upgrades like your pastor here and get a, and get a you know a new hip or something like that but it's this the it's there for us to you know to be wise and to take care of our ourselves but um your pastor was pastor michael was so generous to let me have this anointed blanket tonight today to use as a illustration i'm sorry if there's any other fans in the house, but today we're going to use this one. We'll drag it across the floor for any of you Steeler fans (laughs) or Browns fans. But let's think about this first of all, you know, so we've got four men and they were physically able to actually, if there was a lame person lying on here, to be able to get it from point A to point B. So that's the first thing. But then we also have to think that well they were working together. There was not a lone ranger. There wasn't just one person that said, "Well, I see this hurting person, so so come on, let's me and you go meet Jesus." And they're dragging I would be if if I were to do that, I'd be dragging this poor person across and then they'd Jesus would have to heal him of a headache. From, because he's bumping his head all along the way, right? So there's something about working together. That is another kingdom principle, Mike. If you'll help me here, so I'm just, we'll just let grab a corner right there. No, no, we're not gonna play the lame man. I don't want to throw my <laughs> back out today. So, so now we can consider. Let's consider. Okay, we're we're in unity here, and we're going to work together to get this lame person who's lying on this mat to the presence of Jesus. And so together, we are going to get this person and carry them to the presence of Jesus. So we have this unity that we have to be walking toward the same goal, right? Right. We we have to be kind of in the same mindset that we'll we'll change sides, that Jesus is over there. We're over here, and we've got to work together to get this lame person into the presence of Jesus. Now, what's going to happen if suddenly I read this, this new book that just came out, and it's, it's everything on the, on the Christian websites. Everybody's got to read this book. And so it's saying, well, to get somebody into the presence of Jesus, you, you should be going this way. But Micah, he's been watching those YouTube videos. And he's thinking, no, I need to be going that way. And so he takes off that way, and I take off this way. What happens to this poor lame man right here? Caught in the middle, all confused and twisted and all kind of in a bad shape because me and Micah here can't get on the same page about how are we supposed to get this person to Jesus? And so we end up creating more problems and division even And this lame man is just like, man, I'm laying here hurt, broken. I need to be, I need a touch from Jesus, folks. I need to get in the presence of Jesus. But unfortunately, many times we often have this Lone Ranger mentality of, well, I really think it needs to be this way, Pastor. And you're thinking, no, I think it needs to be that way. And all the while, Jesus is just over there waiting for somebody to be brought into his presence because they're hurting and broken over here and we just fussing and fighting amongst ourselves now i'm a missionary i can come in and step on toes so thanks micah so the first thing that we can kind of see is that there's got to be some unity there's got to be some kind of coming together like these men did and there's got to be this singularity of okay This is the way, this is the vision, this is the way we're going. And let's all join together because working together, we are stronger, better together than we are trying to be individual and just going our own routes and our own ways. And so that's just the kingdom principle that we immediately see highlighted in this story. The second thing is that we can see that they were mentally strong what do i mean by that they were they were able to think through obstacles and they were able to overcome challenges the story here shares that jesus has come home and i don't know but i'm going to be honest when i go home on wednesday i'm turning my cell phone off i'm wanting to go home i'm just wanting to sit down with my mama and talk and share with her about the great things that God is doing in my life and in the ministry. But I'm not wanting a crowd to come over. But the scripture says that a crowd came over, found out he was in the house, and so the crowd just came and they filled up the house so much that these people trying to get this hurting, lame person into the presence of Jesus, they couldn't go through the door. There wasn't even room to get through the door. It reminds me of an indigenous church that I visited a, a couple of years ago. We drove on a bus for two hours down to, into the middle of nowhere. Pastor, I'm sure you've driven on these roads before. You, you, you drive and drive. And you were telling me about some of the gravel roads around here that you can get lost and you can just, you're, you can go. Imagine that. You're driving on a gravel road for about two hours to turn to the left on a pig trail literally a pig trail and i'm like this bus how are we going to get this bus on this pig trail and i had a group of pastors with me and so we drove on this pig trail for another 30 minutes with this bus four four wheeling up through the middle of nowhere and when we arrived we came to a cow pasture and in the middle of the cow pasture was a building about this size and i kid you not there was not standing room in that building to hear the preaching of God's Word that day. So much so that people were standing outside. People were pressed up trying to hear through the windows. They were leaning through the windows. And so that's the image that I get, is that there there was not even room for them to consider going through the front door. And so these men... Had carried this lame, hurting person into the you know and they got to the door, and what did they do? Well, I did my part. I tried. Uh, this is going to be a little inconvenient, folks. I think why don't we just come back next week we'll try we'll try again next week, surely jesus won 't mind if we try next week, or I don 't know, this looks like a lot of work, folks. No, it says that they they were like. Well, we can't go through the front door, and we can't go through a side door. Looks like we're going to the roof, boys. Let's go. And so they they found a way, and they got up, and they got up on the roof. And so there's this thought process of, okay, maybe we can't do it the way that it's normal or it's always been done, but... Lord, give us a spirit of creativity and innovativeness, to where we can think outside the box, and we can, and we can, instead of looking at the problems and looking at the obstacles and just naysaying and just getting frustrated, instead, give us that inspiration and give us that mindset to think, okay, how, what can we do? The Holy Spirit inspires us to do more and to be more and to do great things in your name i told you just a minute ago about my son who i have an 11 year old when i was 11 years old i was sitting probably on that second row right there um my parents had me in church every sunday morning every sunday night every wednesday night Friday night for a rehearsal or for singing cleaning the church on Saturday I mean I grew up in church I think I slept more under a pew than I did in my bed that's just the way it was but I've got an 11 year old that that ain't working for his generation folks I mean and so the way that I was taught in church was, well, we got a Bible and we got a Sunday school lesson. And you learn, kid. <laughs> and if you don't, daddy's got a wicked middle finger that'll thump the fool out of your noggin, <laughs> that'll set you straight and remind you. Can I be honest? I mean, don't turn them in for child abuse nowadays, but that's just the way it was. But i've got an 11 year old now and and that doesn't work he doesn't he doesn't think like that he can't sit still he can't focus like that but if you can show him a video on a screen and so my wife every night they're doing devotions on videos and so they're Learning through watching these videos and through that's the way we're discipling him is and so we have to be creative and think outside the box instead of just saying holding on to it that's the way my grandmother did it and my mother did it and I did it and so by God this is the way you're going to do it and uh, the whole time we're losing a generation but God inspire us give us a creative spirit So that we can do something different, but at the same point be effective and get people who are broken, hurting, and need to be in the presence of Jesus into his presence. Amen? Amen. The third thing that we can infer from these men is that they were emotionally stable, emotionally strong. What do you mean by that, Bobby? well imagine they're on the roof now this place is packed and they begin to dig through the roof first of all the people outside are looking up them up there and they're seeing somebody ripping through a roof now this would have been a small little uh, you know just a mud probably mud walls and it had a timbers lying across it and so they're digging through this mud thatched roof right and so they're digging through it. So the people on the outside are seeing this. But then as they're digging through, can you imagine who's sitting inside? Who's sitting inside there? Jesus is inside, this popular, famous evangelist who's doing miracles and famous throughout the whole area. Who's there with them, the scripture says? The scribes, those religious elites. Those people who are religious and formal and they've got this God thing figured out and they're looking up and all of a sudden mud and dirt is falling on them. Well bless God Almighty. I've never What what are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do, Mary? I, I can't get my robes dirty. I can't get my beard with dust in it. How foolish they would have looked in the world's eyes. Think about this. How crazy, how radical this would have looked to the religious establishment of their day to to have seen four men digging through the roof and into the presence of Jesus. Leah, can you imagine right now We're in here, this place is packed, and somebody's up on the roof with a chainsaw trying to get somebody into the presence because the Holy Ghost is tearing it up in here. What would we do? Somebody be calling for Jimmy. Where are you at, Jimmy? Somebody be saying, Jimmy? we We got an issue up there? Handle it. Right? Security? But... These men were like, all I know is I can't go through the front door. This is a broken, hurting man right here. And I got to get him into the presence of Jesus. Because in the presence of Jesus, things happen. I'm hearing stories about demons being cast out. I'm hearing stories about lame people walking. I'm hearing about blind people seeing. I'm hearing about deaf people hearing again. I got to get person into the presence of Jesus. And so I don't care about what that religious person thinks. He thinks I'm doing something crazy. He thinks I'm doing something weird. He thinks that I've done lost my marbles. I've got to get this person into the presence of Jesus and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Though the world may say, you've lost your everlasting mind, but for Jesus, I'm going to look foolish so that God can touch this person and bring them meet them at their point of need and heal them and deliver them and the final thing is what i love about this story is that these four men they portray an image of being you know spiritually sound what do you mean by that you have to remember during this time of when there were lame people or there were blind people or there were hurting people or demon possessed people people were always trying to lay the blame looking for who can we blame who can we blame for this was it was it because of his sins or his parents sins who who did fault who did wrong and they were trying to figure out why 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 is this mess here but these four men didn't care these four men said i don't know i don't care why you're in this mess. I'm not, gonna, I'm not portraying in this story any questions about what happened, why you got here, what, what's going on. Yeah. It is more about all I know is I got to get you to the presence of Jesus. Now, I don't know how it is up here in Ohio, but in Alabama, we love to point fingers. And so we'll look at somebody in their mess and we'll say, well, you made your bed, might as well lie in it. Well, that's some bad choices you made right there. Parents made some bad choices. You just want to lie in that mess now. Am I am I striking a bone now? Well, I you know why why did you do that? What what what, what was what were you thinking? These four men, they don't portray any of that. All they say is, this person's broke, hurt, lame, and we've got to get him into the presence of Jesus. Because if we can get him into the presence of Jesus, things are going to happen. If we can get him into the presence of Jesus, well, in the presence of Jesus, there is liberty. Well, if we can get him into the presence of Jesus, well, There is salvation. Well, if we can get them into the presence of Jesus, well, there's healing there. If we can get them into the presence of Jesus, well, there is life. If we can get them into the presence of Jesus, well, there is transformation. And all those old things that were behind, they're gone. They're forgotten. And Jesus will touch this person, and he will make them alive and new and make it better than before. And it was this spirit that these four men possessed that impressed Jesus. We can see that these four characteristics impressed Jesus. They were physically, mentally, emotionally ready, spiritually prepared so that when they encountered a man who was in desperate need of a Savior, they didn't turn away. They each grabbed a hold of a, mat, of a corner of the mat, picked him up, carried him to meet Jesus where his sins were forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> and his, he was made whole. Yeah. He was made whole. And in that moment, just like Jesus, these four men became agents of hope. Yeah. Yeah. They became agents of hope and agents of transformation yeah. to a broken and hurting world that was in desperate need. So today, the challenge is, will you grab your corner of the mat? It's a simple challenge. Man, there's... How many mats... How many broken and hurting people are around us today, folks? This, this county, this city, this state, this nation, this world, broken people everywhere. And so it becomes the question, will you grab your corner of the mat? Will you grab your corner of the mat? Because... Getting broken people and hurting people into the presence of Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. Just like the church planters that I was sharing with you at the beginning. What can Jesus do with a, what the world would say is broken, hurting, no good, evil? What can he do if they get into the presence of Jesus? In a world that would try to divide us and try to keep us against one another pointing fingers and saying us versus them in a world that would incite us to pick up stones even and to throw and to hurl at one another or to at the imaginary other and that person or that group over there in a world that would scream at us you 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 deserve this you be blessed you prosper you worry about yourself In all of this, this message today that Jesus is saying, what impresses me most is the person that will reach down and see that broken, hurting person and meet them at their point of need and carry them into my present and let me do my work of redeeming them, restoring them, and setting them free. So today let's be creative let's be innovative let's even look foolish to some of the things that this world would say that's you're not supposed to act that way not supposed to be that way even i i personally i'm to the point i don't care if the religious my religious leaders think that bobby you're a little off (laughs) i was like you should have figured that out by now whatever it takes to get the broken and the hurting and the lame into the presence of Jesus so that he can do his work and say yes together so that joining together, we can be agents of hope and grace in a hurting world. Amen. Amen. In conclusion today, um, I want to share with you an opportunity for you to grab a corner of the mat. I know your pastor will share more about this through the, through the coming months and everything. But in Ecuador, uh, as I've said earlier, we've been there for about 15 years now. For about 10 years, we've been working with at-risk families and children. And when I talk about at-risk families, when I talk about the trauma that they endure, simple, quick story, we work with children who often work in the streets who have no opportunities. One lady that is a perfect example, who she was working in a market when I first met her in a typical outdoor market where you, like a farmer's market where you buy your fruits and vegetables, but she would get at that get there to that market. Her husband left her and the kids, uh, little stair-stepping kids. Um, so she had to find work. And so she was working in a market, sitting on a stool, and they had long onions, peeling onions, uh, cleaning the onions, uh, like green onions, those big onions that are pretty. And so she would clean about a bushel. Um, she could clean three bushels on a good day with her kids. She had her three kids working with her all day. They would work from about the, the truck would come in from the farm. And she'd sit in that market from about 5 in the morning until about 7 p.m. with those three kids cleaning those vegetables all day, and she could get a dollar a bushel for cleaning. So she'd get $3 a day, her and her three kids. So that just gives you an idea of poverty in, in, in Latin America and the people that we work with, that we care for. And so we've been working there now for about, with these families for about 10 years, and one of the things that we've found is Working with children, they were always sick. They were always having trouble with uh, their, their stomachs, always hurting. We were doing parasite medicine, and we just realized that they were having uh, stomach issues all the time, going to the doctors. And then a study came out about two years ago that really made it click for us, where the, where the government found that the second lead of leading cause of major illness and even death in Ecuador was lack of access to clean drinking water. And so it was like a light bulb moment for us to realize, oh, these children, these families, they just don't have access to clean drinking water. And so what we did was started a program called Give Water where we have been providing water filtration systems now uh, to these families and to these children And so we have a short video here that kind of introduces that program. And I'd like to show that to you. And then after that, um, Pastor and I will share a little more with you.